is In the Know for Thursday, September 10, the 254th day of 2020. There are 112 days left in the year. Good morning, MB, guiding you through In the Know at K105. On Litchfield's Country Station, 1039 The Moose, live online at K105.com. Via the Apple and Android smartphone app using the SoundCloud or iTunes podcast. On Facebook Watch, on YouTube Live, on Periscope. And the hashtag is in the know. Coming up today, we update you on the latest news headlines from around the community, the county, the Commonwealth, and the country. Kentucky passes a COVID milestone yesterday. Not a good one. We'll tell you about it. We'll tell you why. We will also have a visit from 2nd District Congressman Brett Guthrie. He'll stop by. We'll talk about uh, things happening at the federal level. That and a whole lot more coming up today here on In the Know. Settling into my left. Rolling Mach 9 with her hair on fire is my beautiful wife, the beautiful girl. It's Beach. Good morning, sweetheart. Good morning. How you doing? I'm good. We, yeah. like many people, occasionally like the treat of having breakfast for dinner. Oh, yeah. Don't we? Mm-hmm. And sometimes people choose to do that because they haven't gone to the grocery, and that's the only <laughs> thing that they have. But it is, it is a treat. And do you know why having eggs for dinner is a good idea? Um, I don't. They're full of melatonin. Eggs, so you oh. just have an omelet, and they have natural levels of melatonin, which help you rest better. So weird that we eat so many eggs at the beginning of the day when we're just trying to get going. But So if you're looking for a dose of melatonin, then make sure... An omelet is in your diet. She is the pride of pumpkin center, the heiress to the great mini burger fortune. She's Vera Wang's arch nemesis and the professional bargain hunter's woman of the year. She's Misty Embry Thomas. Hey. How's Misty? I'm well, how are you? I have some bad news. Yeah. There's good news about the eggs. Remember when we were all getting seeds from uh, from China? In the mail. I never got anything. Dinah. Dinah sent me We got the seeds from, <laughs> from, and we were warned not to plant them. Well, yes. guess what happened? Somebody planted them. There was a beanstalk. Lots of people planted them. And giants uh, are coming down from outer space. Pa- possibly thousands of Americans planted the mystery seeds. Of course we did. We're curious they, like a cat. That's right. We, could, we couldn't help ourselves. Uh, they... Our various things, okay. um, the mysterious seed packages are part were part of what is being called a brushing scam, but um, some were flowers, herbs, and vegetables. Some were not harmful, but also some were noxious weeds. And some people who are planting them, the things that are growing around them are now suddenly dying. China. Ugh. Killer kudzu, or some, I don't know, right. I, I don't, but yes, you knew though, no one, no, I shouldn't say no one, there were many people who were going to get these magic beans in the mail, Yeah, and they had to stick them in the ground. We've been waiting for Jack of the Beanstalk our whole life, right? <laughs> Michael would row that boat ashore, the world would have just <laughs> Hallelujah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Planets would align. Next week's going to be a great week for growing gourds. Mm-hmm. Because the temperature is going mm-hmm. to cool off, it's going to be nice. Uh, cold front is going to bring isolated rain chances as heat remains uh, throughout the next couple of days. This weekend, going to be a better chance of some scattered downpours and thunderstorms. Next week, cool and dry to start, followed by midweek rain. Partly sunny, 90 today. Partly cloudy, 68 tonight. Partly sunny and 85 for tomorrow. Okay, what to get into this morning. I I've, I've need to make sure that we're 
Play-Doh sounds fun. I want to try and stay. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about the Toy Hall of Fame later on in the show. Oh, yay. Who knew? Uh, but it'll be up to Congressman Guthrie on how much time we have to talk about the Toy Hall of Fame. Yeah, okay. So right. if we don't get to talk about it, blame him. Don't blame me. Blame blame him. Right for Chris. Uh, grim milestone yesterday. We did cross the 1,000 death mark in Kentucky due to COVID-19. We had been at 996 and expected to go over that on Monday or Tuesday and then suppress numbers. We had one fatality and went to 997, but uh, we went way over the mark yesterday. We uh, got to, I think there were 16 deaths uh, uh, announced yesterday. Yes, 16 new deaths, bringing us to 1,013. Governor Bashir talked about how if you look at Compared to neighboring states, mm-hmm. that number is very low. Now, it's not not a number to be celebrated, but it is a number to be noticed that compared to our neighbors, Kentuckians have fared better from a mortality standpoint. Yeah. I recall back in, I'm going to say in the month of April, because I think it uh, for about two weeks in March, we were all stunned. And then in April, we started listening and paying attention. And I remember Governor Bashir and his briefings Uh, I think when he had everyone's attention and most everyone was on board, he was talking about the importance of flattening the curve Mm -hmm. in Kentucky because the projections then were four and five thousand deaths over the over the coming months. And so he and I remember him saying specifically, are there look around, are there three thousand or four thousand people that you'd like to live without? If we don't work to flatten the curve. And so we can now kind of look back and say, yes, 1,013 is too high. The reason we're talking about it today is kind of like the odometer. It rolls over to to a four-digit number. But I do think we can look back and say, well, by and large, the things that we did probably saved three to 4,000 Kentuckians to this point by, you know, approaching approaching mid-September. So, again, not something worth cheering on the scoreboard, but something worth noting that the, the sacrifices that we've made have saved a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, the governor will have the Kentucky State Police Honor Guard do a wreath laying in the Capitol Rotunda. Uh, actually, it's happening right now. Uh, just started a few minutes ago, and then he will do a speech this afternoon, later than normal, about the significance of the milestone. And then I believe he has ordered uh, state flags to uh, half staff for maybe a week or so, uh, and encouraging for those maybe who aren't doing the green lights, maybe to do that again, just as a as a uh, an homage to uh, our thousand death mark. 667 new cases reported yesterday. That gives us uh, almost 54,000. We're also closing in on a million tests having been performed in Kentucky. We're at 9,000, uh, 937,000 tests. So, uh, about five or six more days and probably we'll run over the million test mark. Uh, positivity rate rolling seven day average 3.84. Uh, a lot of national news coverage today about the president. And his comments early on due to some tapes that Bob Woodward, you know, famous, uh, infamous journalist Bob Woodward, released as part of a book. He's had several ongoing conversations with the president back to March. And, I, you know, it sort of confirms what I was believing all of, what I felt all along is what you're hearing the president say from a rah-rah standpoint is probably different than some of the intelligence and the information that he's getting 
across his desk from the task force, et cetera. And so you do, as an American, have to decide, do you want the president who rah-rahs and says, we'll be okay and we're going to get through this and et cetera, or do you want the president that says, it's bad, it's real bad? So which do you – and he has he has had peaks and valleys of both. Mm-hmm. He's been more on the rah-rah mm-hmm. and less on the, it's bad, it's real bad, but – you're going to get people who criticize him that say, well, there was two extra weeks that we could have preferred. There, there were two extra weeks that we could have prepared had the president not soft-sold the idea of what COVID-19 was. I'll tell you that would have given us two more weeks of freakout yeah. because let's go back to March 17th, really. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to March 17th and see how a lot of people decided to act. You couldn't buy Charmin. Like, no, no, no Charmin existed anywhere, and that was just the tip of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Remember when the National Guard was coming? Remember when there was going to be martial law? Remember this? Yes. And this is when you had President Trump saying, it's not that bad. It'll be okay. We're going to da-da-da. And he's right. We are going to get through it. Mm-hmm. But you, I, I don't want Chicken Little as a president, but I also don't want somebody who's completely hiding the facts from me. So we're right. going to have to figure out. History will decide. Did, did he do it correctly? And if you're if you're one if you want to vote for Joe Biden, then your history is going to suggest that he didn't do it correctly. If you're going to vote for him, I think you're going to look back and say, well, he did the best he could considering the circumstances. Right. But now, uh, COVID closer to home. Grayson County Health Department Director Josh Embry said yesterday that another Grayson County resident has died due to the virus. That brings us to fifteen. He also gave us some numbers uh, numbers on the whole as of yesterday. Twelve new cases reported yesterday afternoon, bringing us to 322 since the onset of the pandemic, 133 over the last 34 days. So the latest numbers if you're scorecarding. President Trump released a list yesterday of potential Supreme Court nominees. Should he uh, have to make a nomination to the Supreme Court, he has a list of people that he would consider nominating. And one of them is Kentucky's Attorney General, Daniel Cameron. Now, there are several other names on the list that are significant. Uh, Ted Cruz, uh, Tom Cotton of Arkansas, Josh Hawley of Missouri, uh, Christopher Landau, and then, but in this list of twenty is is Attorney General Daniel Cameron. That's a big deal. That is a big deal. It is a big deal. Um, I want to be very clear. I, I want. I would divert you back to previous shows. I would. Do, I would divert you back to prior to Daniel Cameron even running for Attorney General. Prior to Daniel Cameron returning from Washington. After working in Leader McConnell's office, you heard me coming back to Kentucky from visiting the leader's office saying, so impressed with Daniel Cameron, right? From the Heartland areas, from Hardin County, et cetera. I, I, I'm not going to use the love word because I don't know him well enough to love him. I but, walked and prayed with him and got him cheese. I love him. But I, I admire, I appreciate, I respect, and I am so excited about Daniel Cameron's future. Yes. But you can't convince me, President Trump, that Daniel Cameron is ready to serve on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. No, I think Daniel Cameron needs to stay where he is for about, you know, eight years. Then he needs to run for governor for eight years. 
And then we'll talk about Supreme Court justice. I th- I, right. I think in the future you will be able to get me to wholeheartedly sign on and agree and go, absolutely, Daniel Cameron should mm-hmm. be on the Supreme Court of the United States. Mm-hmm. And now, to be clear. I don't like the pandering tone of the list. That's what I don't like. Mm. I don't like the I don't like the timeliness of the list. Is it give us a list of five? Because if you give me a list of five, then I think you're serious about that five. If you give me a list of twenty, well, I mean Misty might have been at twenty one. She's got a robe and a gavel. I was at twenty one. <laughs> so my, my point is is that I'm excited that potentially in the future. Daniel Cameron could be Supreme Court Justice of the United States. I'm excited that he may succeed uh, Mitch McConnell as a senator from yeah, Kentucky. I mean, I mean that's where that's what he's really kind of being considered as his next mm-hmm. step. He probably will bypass the governor's office. But just the the optics of the timeline of the RNC week before last, and all of a sudden he's mentioned on a long list for Supreme Court Justice. I, I it's just. It's pandering and playing to the base, and and but again, I, you'll find no bigger. Well, you probably find a bigger fan of Daniel Cameron than I will, because I see people that are just completely like all in for Daniel Cameron, and I really, really like him, and I and I hope that he does great things. He's just not. We just have we have a few things we need him to do in Kentucky before we send him <laughs> that, nationally. That, that's that's true. all we're saying. Time. Well, yeah. it's not. Just we we need time. more time with him. Yeah, like. As governor, <laughs> as senator, right? Before you then hit. when he's in his 50s, you know, I mean, he's what? He's he's 12 right now? I mean, yeah. he's so young. He, he is. He is like 30. He is a little so young. Yeah. Don't so you he's think... got a lot of decades still left to serve Kentucky Misty, before you all take him from Don't you think us. he should at least serve underneath a tree on South Clinton Street in Litchfield with a gavel before he goes to the Supreme Court? Yes. And, you know, sits, sits you, next to Brett Kavanaugh? You need to be able to understand the hometown people <laughs> and the city folk. You need to be a country mouse and a city mouse both. we got to get go. to a break. Second District Congressman Brett Guthrie is standing by. We're going to talk with him coming up. Find out what's happening in Washington and Bowling Green and all over the Second District. That's coming up here on In the Know. Today is TV dinner day. Oh, yeah. I've been loved as those. It is also International Hot Dog Day today. Again. Hot, hot dog, yeah. hot dog, hot diggity dog. I'm over hot dogs. He's not only the second district congressman representing Kentucky, but he's an expert on hot dogs. He's <laughs> Congressman Brett Guthrie. Good morning, Congressman. How are you? Hey, good morning. I do love hot dogs. How did you know? Uh, I don't know if I'm an expert, just, but I do love hot dogs. I had a sneaking suspicion. Uh, I do need to ask you, it may, be, it may be polarizing politically, but I'm one of the people who do put ketchup on a hot dog. Uh, oh, I do too. I do too. Now, if I get the Chicago dog, it depends on what I get. If I'm just going to add a hot dog with a weenie and a and a bun, I do mustard and ketchup. And but if the Chicago dogs, I don't think you put ketchup on a Chicago dog. But that's got every. It's like a salad on a dog. That's though. exactly uh-huh. right. No, no ketchup. <laughs> My daughter went to college in Chicago, so uh, you get dogs whenever we're up there. Hey, at least eat, next time they're like regional, like pizza. And like Chicago puts a lot of stuff on their pizza, and, right? And they put a lot of stuff on their hot dogs. <laughs> Next time that you uh, sponsor the Grayson County Chamber of Commerce luncheon, I expect hot dogs to be on the menu. But it we was... should do that and give people a choice of New York dogs, Chicago <laughs> dogs, Southern Swall dogs. It was a virtual. It was a Zoom meeting. Yes, I saw you on recently. And then last week I noticed that your annual Academy Day looked a lot different, but you still forged ahead. I know that's uh, something near and dear to your heart. Yeah, we, you know, you need to do that. And it's. We're, we're by, trying to 
Well, we are abiding by the guidelines, and I know that we really couldn't find a place that we thought could use half capacity and, and manage that. So, you know, we the, the issue with academy days is typically people that are younger, that are, you know, freshmen, sophomores who come and try to see what's going on at the military academies. And the, but the ones who are seniors this year, so if anybody's listening and they're interested and they're a senior in high school, it is crunch time, and they need to make sure they contact our office if they're interested in the academy or go to their guidance counselor. That's how we're working with people to try to get the word out. Uh, but hopefully the people who are, have the initiative to want to go to a military academy are already been working on that for a while, so I don't think we're surprising them by saying, hey, if you want to go, you need to start. You should have started two years ago, but you can start now. It's not too late, but hey, make uh, sure you get your work in. Of the five service academies, uh, is there one that's <laughs> – I shouldn't ask you this. That's better than all the others. I was going to say. There's, there's only one. <laughs> West Point. The Army. The Navy, right? Okay. I just, I and I can joking. even say that because even politically, I'm, you know, I have an Army base in my – Army post in my town. That's so, true. So I'm in my district So and in, in your listening area. So I'm, I can easily say that, right? But I, I believe it to the bottom of my soul. Yeah, I had to ask you because I knew what the answer would be. The uh, Navy. A lot of ground that I want to cover with you. I, by the way, I didn't ask Lauren if you had a hard stop, but do you have plenty of time this morning? I do have plenty of time. Much time as you have. I think I have something at ten, so okay. I've got time. To All right, yeah, talk we'll, to you till then. If we'll that's be, good, we'll be really good. Um, the the before we get into some of the things that maybe seem urgent, uh, talk a little bit about the importance of people in the second district taking the census. We're in the fun, we're in the door knocking uh, stages, but you probably more than anyone understand the perils. That if we were to go from six Congress seat, congressional seats to five and redistricting, just talk about the importance of people participating. Well, that's a, you're right. So the congressional districts, state house districts, state senate districts are all decided by the annual, the, the semi or the tenure. What's that decennial annual? I'm not sure what the right term would be. Yep. But every decade, we do a, a census, and and apportionment of Congress is based on the census, and there's only 435 seats. So they take all the numbers, they divide it up, and each state gets apportioned. And, you know, Kentucky used to have, I think, you know, 100 years ago or more, had over double seats, you know, double-digit seats, and or down to six. And that just is influencing Congress. That is, of course, I feel like I carry the weight more than 10, right? But, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, sure. but, you, but it is. It's, it's influence. California has 53 members of Congress. Um, Kentucky has six. And, and it also a lot of, of – of, Programs are based on what's the number of people formula, your gas tax, and different things like that are based on population. Right. And then in state programs are based on population. So it's important that everybody answer the census and answer it accurately. It even changes the electoral math. I know sometimes Kentucky thinks it doesn't matter presidentially, but, you know, if we got eight electoral votes, if we go to seven or even potentially six, you know, that... It uh, makes a difference. And what, one vote was the difference in uh, George W. Bush and Alvin Moore. That's so right. if you're... Uh, if you're a George W. Bush fan, that one vote mattered. If you're if you're a, an Al Gore fan, you wish you had another vote. <laughs> so it, it uh, it's all important. It's absolutely important. You know, in your district, uh, in a COVID era in the second district, and particularly Grayson and surrounding counties, uh, it feels like more and more that there's a polarization or that we're politicizing COVID-19 in a way. Uh, from your perspective, if we were talking about COVID-18 or we were talking about COVID-21, would we be talking about it differently than we are because it's a presidential election year? Well, I think it is a presidential election year, and there are people, no matter what the president does, are going to attack it. And there are people that on the other side, 
other side around. And so what I always like to say, for instance, the centers for so here's an example: Centers for Center Center for Disease Control puts out a lot of guidelines. And I know Frankfurt has used guidelines to say you got to wear a mask, you got to shut down the CDC guidelines. And so Frankfurt puts out a lot of policies based on what the Center for Disease Control said. They said the other day to be ready by November 1st to distribute a vaccine. And there was some pushback from Frankfurt. Well, we don't know November 1st is the right date. A lot of the headlines, when if you actually read into the stories, actually said the right words. Well, it could happen or whatever. But, you know, November 1st is, a, is an important date because November 3rd is the election. <laughs> sure. And yeah. you just wonder, so CDC says one thing and it fits your narrative, so you use it. They say another thing, and it doesn't fit your narrative, so then you kind of push back against it. You know, either it's the standard or it's not. And and that's that's the frustrating thing that I see because I'm on the oversight committee for the National Institutes of Health, Dr. Fauci, right. on the Center for Disease Control. So I've been in the middle of this and trying to discern information when you see what's been reported. Here, The best example is yesterday. If you got on Drudge, it would say AstraZeneca, which is the University of Oxford, Oxford University vaccine, Stop their vaccine, and it said adverse effect. And all the headlines basically were like they had a big problem with their vaccine. Yeah. And we absolutely don't know that. You just and and so, in abundance of caution, AstraZeneca said we've had somebody in our trial get sick. We need to stop and see if they got sick from the vaccine. Now there are fifteen thousand people in their trial. So if I had fifteen thousand people that I just randomly identified and watched them for four months there's some odds that one of them is going to get sick. There's some probability that somebody's going to have a heart attack, a stroke, just because the, there's 15,000 of them. Now, did they have it from the vaccine or not? And, you know, some people who look at this say, well, if there's just one and 15,000 people have the vaccine, it's probably not from the vaccine, or maybe they had a pre-existing condition from the vaccine that we need to know. But it seemed like everybody wanted to cheer on that the vaccine didn't move forward and I don't know why in the world you would want to, whether you love President Trump or you don't like President Trump, why in the world would that be kind of banner news and, and almost like, wow, so it's not going to happen by the end of October. That's not even the one that they're expecting to be, that could be out by the end of October anyway. Right. There, are, there are actually six vaccines in trial, and they think the Pfizer may have information, enough data to say it's safe and effective at earliest late October, but probably most likely by December, their vaccine is going to be, I think, approved and we'll start vaccinating people. I think that's very optimistic. And whether it happens before November 3rd or not, people need to understand, I think, that the White House along has been pushing this. And within a year of getting coronavirus on our shores, we're going to have a safe and effective approved by the FDA vaccine. It's pretty phenomenal. I read an op-ed talking about uh, that. I uh, think that you were part of uh, talking about the the uh, certainty that the FDA would guarantee safety of a of a vaccine. Talk a little bit about that. It was it was nice to hear the posturing or the confidence in the statements right. that you were part of. Well, well, it will be approved by the FDA. Okay. So it will be approved by the FDA by any other standard of any other medicine. If you watch any ad on television about medicines, what do they do at the very last five seconds? They have somebody with a very fast voice go, it could cause this, this, or that, or the other, because there's always some kind of side effect to anything. So when you say guarantee 100% safety, I want to say it, it will be approved by the FDA as safe and effective. 
and that's the standard of every vaccine. So it'll be approved to the standard of every vaccine, whether it's measles, mumps, rubella, uh, chickenpox vaccine, all the vaccines we've polio. It will be approved to the exact same standard. Matter of fact, a little higher because typically in the final phase of a study, they do five or six thousand people. Each vaccine candidate is doing thirty thousand people. So we're going to know 15,000 people will have the vaccine, 15,000 will have the placebo. So there's going to be 45,000 people with some version of the vaccine that have it now, actually, that they're studying. And they had one person get sick or had an adverse effect. They didn't say what that what it was. And they don't know that it is vaccine-related or they just – I mean, I could get sick today, and I don't have the vaccine, not from COVID. I mean, if they got sick from COVID, obviously the vaccine wouldn't work. That's not what happened. So, I mean, I could get – I could have a heart attack right now, and I didn't have the vaccine, so it wouldn't be related. That's what that's what they're studying, and it will be produced by the FDA. I mean, it will be a pr- if if one is released for distribution, which I think will happen. I'm very optimistic about it anyway. It will be approved by the Food and Drug Administration to the same standard, if not higher, than any other vaccine that's available. So the the on ramp to our dialogue the last three or four minutes was about polarizing and politicizing. And it's interesting to see the numbers. Uh, Vaccinations were already a political or a kind of a hot-button issue. Your vaxxers versus your anti-vaxxers. And then in recent weeks, you're seeing new studies that say, a lot of people say, well, I'm never going to take it, or I I don't want to take it, or whatever. What, What do we do to get through to people to give them the confidence that for the safety of everyone involved, this is going to be a good idea? Well, there are some people today that won't take vaccine. You know, they just won't take them, and that I get that. And I'm, I'm actually reading a book about the the gold rush and people who were trying to get from New York took the took the route to Panama and had to cross the isthmus of Panama. And a lot of them died just from yellow fever and malaria and things like that. And I mean, the idea that you, if you were going to go to Panama today, it wouldn't get vaccinated just as a you wouldn't just wouldn't go to Panama. It were, I mean, it does work. There there are. I know I've had discussions with people on vaccinations, and people have different opinions. I don't think the federal government should make it mandatory. But when people try to just reach out and attack the vaccine because it's coming out of President Trump's White House, when they know, if they do their any research at all, that the FDA is going to approve it with a board of scientists like any other vaccine, that's, that's not helpful. It's disingenuous because you have to have at least 70 or 80 percent of the people take the vaccine in order to have herd immunity so that we, it's effective. And I guess we could walk around in masks and gloves and not have restaurants open and not have uh, the Final Four or the at least live version of people playing basketball, going to Rupp Arena, if people don't want to get vaccinated, if the vaccine's available. But that's a choice that we have to make as a society. But if we have a safe and effective vaccine, I think people have religious exemptions. They have other exemptions that they want to do. You know, school systems and states are going to have to decide, is this going to be like in the measles, mumps, rubella, that we're going to require people to be vaccinated before they come. And that's, a, that's a, a state and local decision. But I will say the vaccine is going to be approved by the FDA to be safe. And the interesting thing about this, they're not even using the COVID virus to make the vaccine. Uh, there's, a, there's been about a decade of research on the coronavirus. Mar, MERS, SARS, H1N1, bird flu, all of these pandemics that were supposed to hit. Uh, 
are coronaviruses. And so they've been doing research on it. And matter of fact, hopefully getting to what they call the universal flu vaccine. Flu is a, is a coronavirus. And they're looking at a common protein. And they're not even – so the vaccines they're making aren't even using COVID. They're using a coronavirus as inert, putting a protein that's common to the coronavirus that helps it replicate. And then your body, when you put the vaccine in, that's not COVID – It reacts to the protein, attacks the protein, and the theory is, and they've had success, and this is where they're in the 30,000-person studies now, is as long as the protein, the antibodies react to the protein, you can't get coronavirus because you could get it, but it won't replicate. It doesn't replicate. It can't do your body. It can't do what it does to you. So so they're doing everything they can to make sure it's as safe as any vaccine that exists. Very good. Uh, I always... I always laugh at the the uh, principle or the analogy that the Americans don't like Congress, but they love their congressperson. And so <laughs> we rely. So, you know, we, we like you. Then we sit back and look at broadly at Congress and go, what what are those folks doing there as our insider, as our eyes and ears inside Congress? What do you make of the back and forth between the the Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi, and Leader McConnell, and uh, additional stimulus and funding, and where where do we stand? How do, what's your perspective on that? Well, that, you know what, so you hit a you hit a very valid point. I mean, there I, I passed a a bill with on college um, loans and so forth with a lady, and we can get into it later if you'd like. But it, is, it didn't pass the Senate, but so it's still sitting there. But Suzanne Bonamici from Oregon. Portland area, as a matter of fact, and I we passed the bill, and I looked over at her the next day. I said, hey, Suzanne, did you get a call from MSNBC to go on television to say how you were working with a Republican to get something done that's important for your district? Because I didn't get the same call from Fox News. And so the issue we're dealing with this in the age of cable, it is certainly entertaining to watch. I have friends of mine that are on uh, Fox News about every other night. They are... Um, they're on t- typically from the Judiciary Committee that deals with Russian stuff, so forth. And so I don't think – and, and I've, we've kind of reached out or, or, or talked to people about why don't they have more people on Fox talking about the vaccines and the thing that's really going to change people's lives. I'm not dismissing the Russian hoax and things like that. It needed to be investigated and exposed for what it was. But I think – I didn't see – Last night, I think it was something similar to that on TV last night. We're in the middle of a pandemic. And so there are people that work together. There are people that try to get things done. It is, it is I think, certainly American to have different opinions and argue over them and fight over them. But when it just becomes a constant barrage from evening television, t- typically cable television, you know, two networks, CNN and MSNBC, one side and the other, and particularly when they – I'm, never, I'm not one that says they just make things up and put it out, but they certainly let the facts out as they would like to know. For instance, AstraZeneca yesterday, it was easy to say, which is absolutely true, there was an adverse effect in the vaccination study, and AstraZeneca had to stop. What they didn't say was somebody got sick, there's 15,000 people in the in the pool, you can get sick from anything, and they're going to stop the vaccine to say, were they sick from the vaccine, were they not? This is the vaccine that's come out of the University of Oxford University in England, and so we have a lot of confidence in it, but they're going to stop out of abundance of caution to make sure when it's available, it's safe and effective. 
That's the that's old. What they could have said. Don't that's not conf- what they said. Though. It's that's- don't confuse me with the facts. I'm just going to put a headline up there that serves my purposes. But you don't really want that's the minutia. The you get to. And the yeah. thing is, you wonder. And and I'm as you know, I'm I'm not one that tries to get on and throw bombs or, or <laughs> at anybody. But you sit back and you wonder, why would they pre- why would they present the information this way when it's when people who hear this are going to say, well, that makes less confidence in a vaccine, therefore not take the vaccine, therefore get longer in this pandemic only because they think it may come out by the end of October, which would have a positive effect for President Trump. That's where you you get to where journalism has become political and not really uh, arbiter of the facts. It's become just being political. That's right. Yeah, it's uh, become uh, you know factions, and depending upon what side you you line well, up. Well, it's an on. arm of the you know it's an arm of the Biden campaign, quite honestly, yeah. to networks. Uh, we've got just a couple of minutes, but I want to something more. I mean, I wanted to spend most of our time on vaccines, of course, and your work there. Good, uh, but. Tell me, I saw something come out of your office yesterday. I'm not smart enough to know what blockchaining is and what a blockchain act <laughs> might be. Can you can you give those of us walking around, uh, you know, with a third grade education, what's a blockchain? <laughs> what's that mean? Well, am I fair to say that I'm not sure what blockchain and Bitcoin <laughs> and all that, how, how that works? And that's right. what we're trying to get to the bottom of. Okay. So, so, you know, Congress obviously has the constitutional directly enumerated responsibility for currency and regulating the currency and coining money and so forth. So blockchain... The question that I have with it, and we're trying to get the, the government definition so Congress will know how to react to it, is is Bitcoin and blockchain, is it – it's where people can go in and buy essentially currencies. It's a fake uh, It's a fake currency. It's not a real currency. But if somebody – if I'm going to buy it and somebody's willing to buy it for me at a higher price, then I make money on it. And so it's a speculative thing. And is it going to – is it going to lead to becoming a new currency that people do everything without the dollar? Or is it just a speculative investment that people make? You know, if it's a speculative investment that people make, then it's their money. Let them do with it what they want. I don't think the government should really get involved in it. And somebody wants to risk their, as long as it's not fraud, as long as somebody is, one, is, is with the information they have willing to take a risk, then the government's just out of their way. But if this is leading to becoming a form of global currency as opposed to the dollar, then we have reasons to be concerned about it. And I'm with you. I'm not sure I know exactly the reasons to be concerned about it. And so what this does, what we really did is direct the Department of Commerce to come up with a commission to or a group to define blockchain, how it works, and kind of from a government perspective. So we'll know how to react to it if it needs to be regulated. Like I said, I'm not sure that it does. But we need to get the best information we can to make the right decision. So I remain so amazed. I'm with you. I think what we're trying to do is define blockchain. And figure out I understand Bitcoin. I've read about it. Yeah. Forth, but I'm not really sure how it's going to affect. I, I remain amazed on energy, season, which is important. Energy and Commerce Committee, all the things that you all have to take up that are so complex and complicated, I remain in awe of what you have to learn to just be at least we educated on the issue. Too, that's we? exactly radio right. Radio stations that's, are in our purview. That's why we so love you so much. Vaccine to radio stations to Bitcoin. <laughs> that's right. Uh, what's on the schedule for you in the next couple of days? Well, I'm doing 9-11. They're doing a first responders memorial in Owensboro tomorrow. Uh, I hate that I missed. Uh, well, I didn't miss. Well, I think that we didn't have. I, I hate that I was not in. Uh, Litchfield last Labor Day. I think it's the first Labor Day I hadn't been there in 10 or 12 years with the uh, Fair Parade. Mm-hmm. I hate missing that. I guess Caneyville's not having that. I know Honey Fest is not ha- happening. Nope. So I hate to see these things happening, but we're trying to get out where we can. So 
They're doing a 9-11 memorial. It's outside, socially distanced, and tomorrow. They're doing a first responders memorial in Owensboro tomorrow, but then back to D.C. next week. So Congress is finally, after, what, six weeks, Speaker Pelosi's calling us back to get back to work. We keep saying if, if the Congress is essential, there are people going to work every day, and so Congress should be out going to work. But I, I, I say that knowing that when we're home, we're still working. Of course. But we need to be in D.C., working on the big issues of the day. Well, show up to work on time. Do us proud. Thanks for the time, as always. Thank you, as always. Appreciate it very <laughs> Thanks. much. Thanks. Congressman Mark. Brett Guthrie, 2nd District Congressman representing Kentucky, headed back to Washington next week. Got to get to a break. We'll come back. Got plenty more here on the way on In the Note. Did you know about 10% of people are left-handed? But about 20% are left-footed. What's that even mean? Right? So you get, oh, you're not, you can, you don't know if you're left-footed or right-footed? I would no. have to go back to marching men to now, see how now, I'll take off. Now, Misty, you've been trained to lead with your left foot. So even if it was not your natural foot, yeah. you've been trained to lead with your left foot because that's when you march in marching band. It's left, right, left, left, right, left. So yes, you lead right. with your left. Okay. This is why I didn't I didn't stick with the yeah. marching band. So I'm a left leader. Like, I'm left, yep, I'm left-handed sure. and left, definitely left-footed. But there are people who are right-handed mm-hmm. but left-footed. If you were going to kick a ball. Here's a good example. Oh, you were yeah, going to run yeah, up yeah. and kick a ball. Uh-huh. Which foot would you use? Right. And that right would. Foot. Okay. Right foot. Then you're right-footed. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So, yeah. But before, I would be curious to know how many people prior to marching band, because that teaches you what your different lead foot is. Yeah. Just, and I put my left shoe on first every time. No, I start first. with my right foot. Me too. Yeah, that's interesting. But you, if you were to march, you would you would take off with your left foot. Well, but when I come up the sidewalk, it's always my right foot that I step, step up, up first. Yep. So you're you right-footed right and right-handed. Right-handed. But it's funny how one out of ten people are left-handed, but two out of ten people are left-footed. Hmm. Hmm. That's all, all I'm saying. Um, you might want to fire off a sternly worded tweet to Congressman Guthrie because now we don't have a lot of time to talk about the Toy Hall of Fame. Oh, it's okay. I enjoyed learning about but, the vaccines. But and the we virus. did find out what type of hot dogs that he likes. Listen, you weren't kidding when you said he was a hot dog expert. <laughs> like, really? Who knew there were so right? many types? He knows everything. By the way, but I, sh- I love it. That's fantastic for I, me. <laughs> I should have saved it. Do you know the first words spoken by Mickey Mouse was hot dogs? Really? Yes. The first, when Mickey Mouse appeared in huh. a comics in the comics for the very first time, he said, hot dogs. It's a true story. Uh, Toy Hall of Fame finalists revealed for 2020. This is important news, so we must get to it. <laughs> Bingo. Okay, yep. Why didn't that get in long ago? The good old, you know, basket that's with the crank. Jenga. Okay. I figured oh. Jenga. I figured Jenga was old school because it requires no batteries. It requires no paint. Mm -hmm. It just requires really a jigsaw. Cut it up, throw it in a box. There you go. It makes me want to do mean things when it comes to I'm so happy about Light Bright. (gasps) Light Bright wasn't already in there? The the Etch-A-Sketch was great, but the Light Bright went to a totally different level. Yes. Because you could use it as a nightlight Mm -hmm. where your Etch-A-Sketch was limited to a lit room. Yeah. 
If your mama would let you leave it plugged in. Yeah. yeah. And remember the stencils? Mm-hmm. You put the stencils on mm-hmm. there and then you it was a little hard tearing the stencil out around it. Yeah. Or you had to leave My it in. My kids had a light break. My Maddie had a light break. That was the last time they were out. Tamagotchi. 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 Mm-hmm. My kids have Tamagotchis. Okay. And, I don't... Yeah, you have to take care of those things. They're they virtual pets. Yeah. They were the first virtual pets. Yahtzee. Yahtzee. I love Yahtzee. Uh, and Baby oh, Nancy, which is a black doll introduced by Shindana Toys in 1968, is also up for consideration. Briar Horses. Oh, yeah. So my cousin, he had. What is that? Um, is that the stick horse? No. Um, okay. They're really nice, like, um, they're really nice. I don't know how to describe. Them. Are they almost like models? Yes, models. But they're very nice, right? So, okay. um, so are, like a collector are these toy? the yes, high, high-end action figures that yeah. are toys? Yes, that it's are... like the John Deere toy tractors. Yeah, okay. Yeah, like the yeah, metal, okay. Cast, metal cast. Yeah, yeah. Don't okay. tell Dennis Cook, but Masters of the Universe is getting into the Toy Hall of Fame, or is at least a finalist yeah, for twenty twenty. That's not his jam, is it? No, he loves Masters of the Universe. Oh, yeah, one of them. He's not a fan. Of. Is it Marvel? Uh, I don't know. Going? My Little Pony. Also in the fin- as a finalist this year, they were. My Little Pony was a finalist last year. Didn't get in. Uh, the board game Risk, Sidewalk Chart, and somehow it's very appropriate that nominated in 2020 is the board game Sorry. If ever a year was sorry, there's your Briar Horses. Okay. If ever a year deserved. 2020. Yeah. It would be the board game. It really should be the only game that gets in this year. (laughs) That's true. We're going to get to a break. We'll come back, finish it up for the morning here on In the Know. MB's point to ponder for today. Would it be poor form for me to go ahead and start putting 2021 on my checks can i if i fill out the date on a check it'll make me feel better if i just start writing the date with 21 but i don't know if that'll be you know we turn we turn the calendar from august thinking we're going to step out of hades right into literally california being ablaze (laughs) the the, yes we're going to be down to 49 states states. california is just going to burn and fall into a pile of ashes and that's if the border is made of sand barriers that it doesn't cross over and burn all of us up by october (laughs) california just went lot's wife when we see (laughs) 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 like don't look at it you'll turn to salt (laughs) like it's seriously when we say oh well it's up in flames for 20 literally we are now on fire Oh, good okay. grief. Well, just don't be surprised if you get, you know, check from me and the date's 21 because I'm trying to <laughs> I'm going on make myself feel yeah, better. Don't cash it. <laughs> on television tonight, yeah, it's, if it's post-dated, right? future-dated, yeah. I guess you yeah. can't cash mm-hmm. it yet. Uh, on TV tonight, uh, da, 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 the NFL returns tonight, supposedly. I guess when I see them kick that football in the air, I'll believe it. And now I'm going to look and see what dominant foot they they use. It's the Chiefs, Mm -hmm. and we'll host the Texans tonight. So 17,000 fans at Arrowhead. So it will be weird to see 17,000 people spread across Arrowhead Stadium. Uh, Holy Moly Season 2 finale is on ABC. And Holy Moly 2, the sequel, is on ABC. Oh, good. There's two parts to that nonsense. Holy Moly. (laughs) Yay! Today's highlight in history, this date in 1962, the U.S. Supreme Court ordered the University of Mississippi to admit James Meredith, a black student. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
Speaking of football, 14 years ago today, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning became uh, were featured in the first NFL game to feature two brothers at starting quarterback. So they started against one another in that football game. It never happened before. It hasn't happened since, right? Correct. Jose Feliciano is 75 today. Bill O'Reilly is 71. Joe Perry from Aerosmith is 70. Oh, that stings a little like a wasp. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Major League (laughs) Baseball All-Star first baseman Joey Votto is 37 today. Gone but not forgotten. Arnold Palmer is 29 today. To celebrate, have an Arnold Palmer. Y'all know what an Arnold Palmer is? I know that I wouldn't. Yeah, I don't drink it, but I, I don't know. know exactly. No, no, it's not an alcoholic drink. Is it's it like a Shirley Temple? No, well, it's it's half iced tea and half lemonade. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's what an Arnold Palmer is. Charles Kuralt was born this date in 1934. Roger Maris born this date in 1934 as well. Chart top. I probably wouldn't drink it. I don't like either one of those on their own. All of I our love tea, but not a huge fan of lemon. All of our chart toppers today. Were selected by Second District Congressman Brett Guthrie. <laughs> hot dog extraordinaire. <laughs> I was really impressed with his hot dog knowledge. He took you to, he took you farther than you wanted to go on that hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, that's the thing I love about Congressman he Guthrie. Knows everything. Just pick a direction. <laughs> yes, and just, you'll walk ten miles. East, west, north, south. I just will pick walk a just, one thousand miles. <laughs> I love this song. Right. By the way, that was uh, Gene Shepherd and Ferlin Husky, a Dear John letter. I hope I talked over the entire thing. That was the goal. Which uh, is not on Congressman Guthrie's iPod. <laughs> I don't know that for a fact. Oh, dear. 1962, Ray Charles, number one, with You Don't Know Me. If I have this right, this is your favorite Ray Charles song? No. Do I ask you that every time (laughs) we play this song? What is your favorite Ray Charles song? the one that we use in the bumper music. What is the name Uh, of it? Shake a Tail Feather. No, um, I was made for her. I was made to love her as Stevie I was made Wonder. To... Well, it should have been Ray Charles. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that up with Ray. Aretha, Spanish Harlem, number one in 71. He didn't give me any good dish on Speaker Pelosi. Do I ever cross your mind? That's my favorite. Ah. And Bonnie Raitt. This is on Buckwheat's things. Greatest oh, hits. I do. Look at Penub. Look at Penub. Johnny Lee. Did you ever find a nub? Look at Penub. I used to look in. I did find a nub. Found it a nub. Chandler has a nubbin. Yeah, yep. that's right. <laughs> It's just weird how in a decade we went from the number one song of Lookin' for Nub yeah. into Heaven by Warrant. Yeah. I do love this song. It's a fast-moving decade for lot, music. A lot changed in ten years. Yeah. I do too. I like all the hair bands. <laughs> oh, Warrant. Hair Nation is my favorite. Like, oh, yeah. If I'm going to just pick a, uh, something to just leave on play. Warrant was kind of a second tier type of hair band. They though. were, yeah. They were. They could not they were crack. 2. They could not crack into the echelon of Def Leppard and Poison and Bon Jovi and Motley Crue. And Guns yeah, and but, yeah, yeah. Warrant was Warrant. Yes, Warrant was the 
uh, minor league of hair bands. You know what happened to hair bands? The Nelson Brothers. They come along and they messed it up for everybody because they had the hair, but they didn't have the band. It was like you screwed it up. You went on mellow on it and you completely diluted the hair band. Warrant was lucky to get two albums out of the deal. Skid Row is one of my favorites. Oh, oh, oh. see, I think a lot of people would try and put Skid Row into that into that Def mm. Leppard poison, and I wouldn't put them. Oh, I wouldn't put Skid Row I, in well, there. I'm sorry, I love Skid Row. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Eight ten life. Yes, but that's just one song. No, the whole the whole tape. Right. The whole tape. Oh, the whole tape. The whole tape. The front end. That's how old we are. <laughs> <laughs> front end, the back of the tape. 1998. Aerosmith. I don't want to miss a thing. And I don't want to miss a thing. All right. I know that's uh, not one of Misty's favorite Aerosmith no, songs. They but I play it. I played it today because it's Joe Perry's 70th birthday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very good. Happy birthday, Joe. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. You can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. MB's Pearl of Wisdom for today. Look forward to seeing you back here tomorrow for another edition of our show. For Misty Thomas, for B, I'm MB, and now you're